All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a, another edition of the Vitology Podcast. Ryan, we have made it. We're here. We are. It's good to see We're you. We're a few minutes late, but, We're a few minutes late, you know, yeah. life happens sometimes. I know. So. We, we came in, and I was, like, rushing and getting it's, things. We were getting ready, yeah. and I didn't even say it's good to see you. It, it is good it to is. see you, It is. Too. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Let me Hello. Just pause for a minute. Yes. Uh, Hi. Yes. Hi. Hi. Yeah. We and, hope you're having a great day too. Yes. Uh, or uh, that you're surviving, right? Yes, like, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Yes. Yes. Oh, it is man. really, really good to to see you out there. And so, if you're joining us, as always, we'd love to we'd love it if you say hi in the comments. Whether you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube, of course, you can do that. If you're live. Um, you can be watching us after the fact on either of those, or joining us on podcast. And if you're on the podcast, you're just listening. Maybe at double speed. Maybe at double speed while you're running or yes. doing something around the house. Yeah. Or I'd suggest like 1.75 speed. 1.75 or one and a half. Yeah. I, I usually listen to podcasts on 1.5. Yeah, There's 1. a few that I listen good. to on normal time. Yes, that's true. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Actually, just one right now. Is that right? It's uh, the rise and fall of Marcel. Oh, really? I'm just so interested in it's the intriguing. content of it that I'm like, and it's only coming out every other week now. Yeah. So I'm going, all right, I don't need to rush through this. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can sort of take it more slowly. Yeah. So I have to. Right, yeah, that's go. the only one. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Every time, every now and again when there's music, uh-huh. when they're talking about music, yeah. then I have to that's, slow it down. Yeah, you have to normal. Slow it down. And I'm like, ah, yeah. now I got to listen. But there's some people that I listen to on a podcast. If When I hear them yes. normal, I think to myself, who is this? It was one, was like one of those somebody you saw this Sunday night? <laughs> um, it is. I didn't notice that, actually. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Tell us. So Josh and I um, and another friend of ours had the chance to go down and see John Mark Comer mm-hmm. in downtown San Diego. He had a, a book release event. So his book, Live No Lies, came out yesterday, yes. I believe. And yeah. um, he did an event talking about the book and uh, sharing the idea behind it and and a little bit of the content from the book. So, uh, John Mark Comer is a uh, was a pastor up in Portland. Um, he since has stepped out of the pastor, but is continuing to do ministry and speak and has more of a national sort of platform right now. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great to get the chance to hear him and uh, to hear him on only one point speed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed it was. It was it was great. In fact, that that I'm sure will have to be a book. That, um, that, that we'll bring that book. That we'll you bring, bring that book. That In fact, we both yeah. will at some point. We did talk about bringing another book that, you know, I'll, I'll save that conversation um, for when we talk about a book. Perfect. Because we talked about bringing a book together and then we did it. So it's oh, kind yeah. of in we can it's in the hopper. It's in the hopper. We can we, always we add to spend more time on that. But I do have to just add, uh, if you're joining us, you'll see this on the screen. I just have to add, sup back at you. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> uh, Greg Hill writes, sup, boys. Now, What's up, Greg? I'm just saying, sup back. All right. Yes. That's all. That's all. All right. Good to see you, Greg. Um, yeah. But as as always, we uh, we gather around about this time every week to, to reflect a little bit, to process what's going on. You know, we love... Being able to process what's going on in the world, some um, if there's anything, especially that that uh, is is going on that influences us, influences church, things like that. But um, love talking about the sermon series right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this has been a fun one. This really has. I feel like we say that about all of them, probably. But um, 
listen, some are more fun than others. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Okay, now that's a good question. Has there ever been a sermon series <laughs> that I got? Maybe I'm, maybe this is a bad question. Maybe that this is a question that that pastors shouldn't ask pastors live in front of people. But I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Has there been one where you're like, oh, why did I do this? I wish that I could have done this differently. There are definitely series that I've thought in hindsight, I would, I'd do that differently yes. next time. Yes. I'd do that differently next time. So um, this is not, have I done any of those in a manual faith? Yes, I have. <laughs> Am I going to tell you which ones? No, not right interesting, now. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> I, I once tried to do a series through the book of Acts, uh -huh. which I loved. And it was like, great. All the way up to about chapter 22, 19, 20, somewhere in there. And then it starts, it just like, it gets to be a slog after yeah, 20, a while. Uh, yeah, when um, Paul gets, uh, when he starts to be either imprisoned or yes. on trial, starting in chapter 22, I yes. just felt like, okay. Um, this is really important. It is. This is part of the storyline and no doubt. it's hard to preach. It is hard to preach. You get kind of some repetitive stuff and it's just not, it's, it's not as preachable. Yeah. It's very interesting. Very good stuff, but currently, like you're saying, I'm say currently that. planning a, a message series in the book of first Corinthians okay. that's going to last 30, 33 messages, 33 messages. And, um, so I hope I don't, I hope that's not one. If you ask me that question in two years, <laughs> I hope I don't go. Yeah, remember when we did First Corinthians? Yeah, like, that was something that's, else. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't at all. I'm excited for it. I, I can't wait. It's going to be actually. great. Um, yeah, that's going to be a deep dive. In First be. Corinthians, yeah, right? it'll be a lot of fun. Because um, you know, First Corinthians is a is a big book. It's a big book, but sixteen, 16 chapters. chapters and, yep. I mean, there's there's some chapters in there that are like super beefy. Yep. Others that, you know, maybe not quite as much. But yeah, yeah, like you have, I would argue, the most complete exposition of resurrection. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in First Corinthians 15, you have in First Corinthians uh, 12 through 14, you have um, an extensive conversation about spiritual, spiritual gifts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Section 11, you have, or uh, chapter 11, you have arguably one of the most debated passages mm -hmm. in the New Testament mm -hmm. about, um, you know, head covering. And uh, wow, I mean, just yeah. really, really intense and interesting things. So yeah. um, you have a whole conversation in chapter six and seven about marriage, about marriage. and sexuality and, like and singleness. Singleness. Like one of the, yeah, yeah, one of the most important passages. Yeah. Like so I, 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 we chose to teach through it because of all the just really we i, I would argue culturally um important topics mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. today so that's the idea yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's a good at. it's interesting that's a good mixture of both theological and very practical yes whereas some some books uh, romans uh, there, there's some practical things in there but it's really kind of known the first uh first 11, 11 chapters yeah. are like Dance theology, yeah, and then you get into some practical stuff. Yeah, and and what I, one of the things I like about First Corinthians is the 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 theology and the praxis tend to dance with each other a little bit more. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. like Ephesians, it's like one through chapters yeah. one through three is theology is you know mm -hmm. um, all about who is God and then who are we in God. But then you know you have that how do you live that out mm -hmm. in chapters four through six 
first Corinthians tends to be a little bit more, um, it dances, right? It's yeah. like one right after the other, which, which is how it in, uh, should be. I don't want to say like Romans is wrong about that, but a lot of people will even say that, that we should read Romans kind of backwards in a sense, uh, like, like the, the real purpose of it in a sense, or the reason it was written that says because of all the practical things, but all of the theology of it is to kind of support that right in a sense, you know? And so, and not to say that there's, uh, you know, obviously Romans was done right, but I'm not, it's not, not that's not the point. It, it's, it's, the, it's a weird thing what's to say. The, what, what's Why that, that album that? that people said you should listen to back then? Was it like an the, ACD album? Um, ACDC? Yeah. Was it ACDC or? <laughs> I feel like Led Zeppelin, yeah, something like that. But it, not like think, that. Not like that. No, 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 <laughs> no, not the words backwards, but the ideas that they flow in and understanding yeah. them. So, but, but all that to say is there's a there is a real interplay that that theology on itself is not is not all that useful, right? Unless it's lived out and practiced. Yeah. So, so I think that's what you're getting at the interplay between how our theology directs and how, what we think directs what we do yeah. and vice versa. Exactly. That's yep. going to be cool. Yep. That's going to be great. Uh, we got a great description of dancing together. I like that. I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. That's better than, than what I said. Good job. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I can, I can admit that. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> well, uh, um, well this, uh, like you were, you were saying this series. Uh, oh yeah. This okay. Is us. So we are a temple yes. uh, was this week. And we use that sort of as a, a metaphor to talk about being a worshiping community. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and so I, I feel like I need to apologize, though. Okay. Because and gentlemen, uh, here's an apology. And, from, um, what, what did you do wrong? Ke- <laughs> I, got, I got home oh, yeah. and Kelly says, sort of feel like you threw me under the bus two weeks in a row. And I'm like, really? Kelly what do you mean? And she said, well. I mean, last week you said people had trauma or that it, I, you were triggering people because you were talking about Maslow's hierarchy. hierarchy oh. And she said this this time you brought up um, the yep. trauma surrounding having to read the Odyssey yes. during high school. And so yep. she said, I feel like you're picking on the English teacher. Yes, so, yes indeed. So his wife is an English teacher, <laughs> which that would make complete sense, especially this week. Right? Yeah. I mean, Maslow, I could see how she, you yeah, know, I'm like, come on, a little bit of fence, but. But this, the Odyssey, yeah, the Iliad, yeah. Yes. So, um, anyway, I used that as an illustration early on of the sirens yeah. who were. I said we often think about singing as worship, but really, what the sirens are doing is evoking worship. They're calling for yeah. worship. They're they're pursuing worshipers in a sense, and um, and worship is in a, in another sense crashing your lives on something. That's something surrendering your lives. To something and um and maybe even you could argue being wrecked for everything else right like you go mm-hmm. all in on something your heart's captured and and you're devoted to it so mm-hmm. um anyway that that was how I, I started the message out but the message was all about the reality that god is seeking worshipers yeah and that really for me struck a chord with me and um that was that thread that i wanted to pull throughout this whole message to go gosh it's it's amazing, number one, that God is seeking worshipers. He created us with that capacity and that need to be worshipers. And and he's longing for us to be worshipers yeah. uh, of, of him. And that's what he designed us for. That's how our lives are most fulfilled. 
he's glorified in that. I mean, there's a ton of reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah. As Carolyn says, ouch, they're trying to enslave their worshipers, right? Right. The sirens are trying to do that. So I'm, I'm kind of glad you didn't carry on that metaphor yeah, too far. I did. I did. Because <laughs> that, uh, that's not the way God's seeking worshipers, right? Correct. No. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm very glad for that. The, the goal of life is not to just hide ourselves from everything necessarily. And yet, at the same time, it's it was it was an apt metaphor because it, uh, as she says, God is trying to free right. his worshipers. Yeah, good yeah. job, Carolyn. Exactly. Um, he is. He wants them to be free to worship. It's not any kind of forced thing. It, although, at the same time, when um, my experience with this, and I feel like this is, I hear this from a lot of people. Um, once you've once you've seen the love of God, once you've experienced God's love, it's kind of hard to ever think about not worshiping. Yeah. You know, that's it, what I that's what I mean help. by we're we're wrecked for everything else. Yes, I like right? that. I like that. That, that it once you taste that, yeah, uh, there's a goodness that continues to draw you in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a great way to put it. And then as I started to think about about worship in general, it struck me that. That really worship is ubiquitous in the human experience. Yes. It is. Every culture throughout all time has had some form, not just of religious worship, but some form of of being captivated. Mm. And um, and so I talked about you know whether it's you know on Wall Street or at the mall or you know at a football game, mm-hmm. something like that. We we are people who are captivated by nature mm-hmm. and. And so my hope, my hope in talking about that was for the everybody that was listening to go, okay, if I am a worshiper and if I'm always worshiping, my question, the question I should ask myself is, what am I worshiping? Yeah. And and what is it yielding mm-hmm. in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that was sort of where I wanted to lead people to at the beginning of our time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, and I've heard this talk. I've heard this talked about like the things that we give our ten- attention to mm-hmm. are in some ways the things we worship. Now let's push back a little bit because, you know, we are, I mean, we, we, we tend to want to worship everything, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we, we have to give our attention to other things. Yeah. Right. Um, we cannot, you know, live as the proverbial monk. And I don't even think the monks live as the proverbial monks. Right. <laughs> so in other words, um, like, a life that is fully devoted to nothing but worship of God, right? Okay, because they even have to make their beds, yeah, right, or they have to like do garden work and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is giving their attention to something other than God, right? So, um, what what do you? I mean, what do we? What do you mean by that? Because there's there's in a, in a lot of life we have to we're divided people, right? We have mm-hmm. to direct our attention in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and yet. We don't always say that we're worshiping those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I would say that. Well, for one, um, Brother Lawrence wrote his great little book, Practicing the Presence of God. And in it, he talks about sort of living in two different in two with a, his feet in two different worlds. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah, there's what you're there's what you're doing. But then there's ongoing conversation mm-hmm. that can happen with God. And, and I think he uses the example of doing the dishes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and that even that can be ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. So I do think that 
we live with our attention on two different planes. The like what's going on in our physical world right around us, and um, trying to pray continually mm. in the sense that I think Paul is talking about when he wrote that that there's an ongoing dialogue with the divine mm -hmm. as we're going about our daily life. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's one way. But I do think that, um, so the book I talked about last week, uh, You Are What You Love, yeah. would say that part of being a temple and part of coming to worship on a Sunday or whenever is really about retraining the gaze of our heart. Mm -hmm. So there are ways that that starts to get sucked that, that our worship does start to get taken off track. Totally. And so part of our um, habitus, if you will, is to come back together and to go, okay, Jesus, you have all of mm -hmm. me and I'm bowing in worship at your throne. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't mean I'm not going to make my bed, although sometimes I don't make my bed. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm not going to go to work and it doesn't mean I'm not going to do all these other things, but it does mean that you're going to have my heart's devotion as I do those other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's part of, so um, we don't have a, we, we, we don't lead in a traditionally liturgical church, yeah. right? But part of the liturgy of the historic church is to guide you into a process of recalibrating your heart's gaze on Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And so it's confession. It's mm -hmm. okay. God, I've, there's some places I've wandered this week. It's uh, a, um an assurance of pardon. We are mm -hmm. forgiven. It's a reminder through the sacraments of the fact that we um, are children of God. So all of these different ways that, um, yeah, that God starts to retrain us and, and through worship, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we start to become the people that God designed us to become. Yeah. I like that because I mean, and I love back to, you know, the brother Lawrence, um, it, okay, if you're training yourself to worship, okay, you can do something like wash the dishes and serve somebody or something like that and and, and still be worshiping. But the, it seems like there are things in the world that make it really hard to do. Yeah. Like, okay, um, you, can't, you can't be like actively sinning and worshiping God at the same time, right? That, right. That's like the, you know, the, the opposite in a sense, almost, I guess, of, of worship. But then there's like even even things like, and I, this is just me talking. Like I enjoy I enjoy going to the movies. Yeah. Like there's there's times when I just I, I love it and I I love kind of getting lost in movies, and and oftentimes though even at the end of movies I'll kind of go I'll stop and think about it and and then even try to have a conversation about it and right. there's something about that that is that can be worshipful and glorifying to God but in the middle of that there's probably not much worship going on. I'm right. just going to be honest. Yeah. Now, I think there's that's that's one. I think of things like video games. Um, you kind of get lost in them. But right. something like going out on a walk, taking a hike. Oh, I was in a run for this morning outside. And for you. just kind of, thanks, man. Thanks. That's what I needed. Um, <laughs> um, there's something about that that is an activity where you can worship. It seems like in life, oh, I'm getting it. There's, there seems to be different different things that we can do that, that, uh, that are, you know, normal things um, yeah. that can be worshipful. And then some that are harder to be correct. Yeah. I would say that's true. So like having a meal together with people. Yep. I think you can, that's easy. Be worshipful, right? Yep. Cause you're dealing with, 
you're dealing with the most holy things. Right. You know, uh, well, and, and it's easy to give, give gratitude for those yeah, things. Yeah. And I like yeah. That. I like yeah. That. All right. That's good. Okay. Well, so that was the, that's kind of the setup thing. Oh, that's a good question. You want to go there yet? Or should we sure. wait? I'll should wait. We, Christy, are you still there? If you're still there, um, write in the comments. So Christy had a, a, a question. Yes. And it's uh, it's on, it's a little bit off topic, but we're kind of at a, we can take a break for well, a second. Well, I don't know if it is. Ooh, okay. Yeah, actually, that's a great point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is, here's the question. I'm going to put this on screen, but I'll read it to you as well. Um, Ryan, is it true that you demanded no patriotic songs be sung in our church? And, uh, and I do think this does relate because we're talking about Yes, worship. we are talking about worship. Okay, so you demanded no, no, <laughs> yeah, um, no. So actually, Christy wrote a comment card this Sunday. I do my best to respond to every single Good. comment card that um, is submitted. And so, Christy, I, I sent you an email on Monday at one nineteen. But let me, uh, I can just kind of re just read the email. I think so um, because I think. I did my best to answer yeah. in a way that was thoughtful and, and, and honest, which is really important to me. So okay. I said, um, first, a little background on me. I grew up in a Christian family going to church every Sunday, but never once remember hearing a patriotic song in church. Then at my last pastorate in Colorado, they didn't have a tradition of singing patriotic songs during church services. And never once in seven years did someone request that we sing one. Now, Carolyn can, I think, vouch for that. She was a part of that church community. Okay. Um, so all that to say the desire for singing patriotic songs during worship services is new and, and a new and foreign idea to me, to be quite honest, I'm wrestling with this tradition. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that is my honest answer to this. Yeah. I would, I really wrestle with it and I'll, I'll talk about why in just a moment. Mm -hmm. I said, my personal conviction is that the church is designed to be the family of God that transcends ethnic nationality. I think of passages like 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, that says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So mm -hmm. they're like, like, he's saying that as a Christian, uh, you're a distinctly different nation, um, which we could talk about a little mm -hmm. bit. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, wonderful light. A chosen people and a holy nation seems to suggest that while churches certainly exist within the context and borders of a nation, their core identity is found in, be, in as being sons and daughters of God. I'm confident that few who follow Jesus would disagree with that, but in my opinion, that's what makes singing patriotic songs within a church service potentially troublesome. We could subtly place our national identity alongside or even above our baptismal identity. Please note, I have no problem singing these types of songs outside of church services. I said, as I was thinking about the issue, I wanted to be sensitive to my blind spot. So I reached out to two military chaplains, both men who've given their vocational careers to serve our country and who have served at Emmanuel Faith. Mm. I was a little bit surprised when both of them stated that they were opposed to singing patriotic songs during worship services. One even said that he wouldn't sing patriotic songs in a chapel service on a warship at sea. Wow. Yeah, that's... I mean, he was at least strong. stronger than he was stronger than me in that. Uh, he said, I, so, I, and I finished with it by saying, as you know, so here's my answer to your yeah. question. So Christy, here's your answer. Um, as you know, EFCC has a longstanding tradition of, of singing patriotic songs during 
worship services. I don't have any plans on preventing our choir and orchestra from singing these songs, even though I have a personal conviction about the subject. My personal convictions don't need to be our official church stance. I realize that we are part of a body and we need to try our best to honor one another. In the next few weeks, we'll plan on what we do uh, to acknowledge our veterans during our Veterans Day, uh, as we acknowledge Veterans Day. Mm -hmm. um, here's the interesting part. Yeah. Veterans Day happens to be November 11th. Yeah. November 14th, we are having our Global Outreach Sunday. Got it. Which is the, so that would be the closest Sunday to November 11th. Correct. Okay. All right. So the, I, I, I hope the tension is um, at least, yeah. At least we can acknowledge attention of having a Lebanese pastor mm. preach mm. and then potentially singing, yeah, more nationalistic types of songs, mm -hmm. right? Where he wouldn't necessarily want to sing along with them, yep, and yet he's the one proclaiming the word, yes. that we're sitting under, yes. So, I, I just I think that that outlines the tension. That definitely does. That definitely um, does. So I said, there's definitely a place to thank God for our great country and honor those who served in our military. Some of those are in my own family, and we will do that as best we can. Hope hope that answers the question. Please follow up if you have any others. Happy okay. to engage. Okay. Well, so, that, that's uh, that's very clear. So it's not that not necessarily you've got. Um, it's not like you you know have something against those songs as songs correct and it doesn't sound to me like you have you know anything against america none i love <laughs> i love let me be clear i yeah. love america I, yes. I love being part of the united states of america like i said i've had family members that have uh fought for our country yeah. i've had family members that have lived with me after they fought for our country and so um have had the chance to to see that not firsthand but certainly mm -hmm. secondhand and great appreciation and huge value for our veterans. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just think that any song, well, here's one of the ways I think about it, Josh, as we think about worship, right? Mm -hmm. Worship in spirit and truth, um, which, which is where the where message goes, starts to right. land. Um, I think any song that we wouldn't sing around the throne in heaven is maybe too small for us to sing yeah. as the gathered church. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's just a great il and a illustration in a sense that if we would feel awkward singing that song with a Lebanese pastor right. or inviting that Lebanese pastor to sing a song with us, yeah. you know, um, if if it if all of a sudden we're singing and we kind of look over and think, oh, this doesn't really apply to you. Yeah. Then it's probably not something that the church should be singing, especially especially in, in a church like ours that is a large church we it's not like we we know exactly who's going to be there every week yeah okay now i'd say that would be the case even if it were if we knew it was all americans um that were there mm -hmm. but especially if we're gathered with more yeah which every week we do right every week we gather with people that are not americans yeah. that, that at some level might feel awkward singing that song yeah right or might at least feel like it's something different so that that in and of itself should lead us to kind of question it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, I'm not, am I going to prevent it? No, um, I will not. Um, and 
Um, and yet my personal preference would mm -hmm. be that we don't. Yeah. And so, uh, that's the, that's the, every pastor has to deal with that though. Right. Like where Absolutely. we have opinions, we have preferences and we have to go, all right, that's where I stand on this. Does it have to be where everybody stands on this? No, yeah, it doesn't. Um, do I think I can make a fairly strong theological case for not doing it? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. And yet I understand that there are very astute theologians on the other side who would say, yeah, Ryan, I think you're missing the boat here. So mm -hmm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm willing to hold that open-handed and, and, and engage the tension. Yeah. Well, this is, this is partly why it's good to do this, have this conversation in a church. Yeah. So this is where, you know, even bringing that up is leading people to think about something that they've probably never thought about. Like, okay, this is just one of those things. Um, see, I, I grew up in a church that, that did this regularly. Okay. That actually sang songs all the time you know, had, had, had American flags up on the stage. Didn't think a lot of it until, until quite a bit later when I started, you know, asking why that's there, mm -hmm. being a part of ministry and all that stuff. But um, that was just a part of what we did. And so um, I didn't ask the question until, you know, much later in life. And, and I, I, I've sensed that from a lot of people. When, yeah. when they hear this from me, they think, well, this is just what we do. Right. Um, and some of them have even heard that this is what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's a that's a different thing mm -hmm. because I think there's a lot of people who've just grown up and duh, that's what we do. They've never questioned it. And then when you bring it up, they go, huh, that's a good point. Yeah. At least that they some, respect some the point. <laughs> well, at least they respect your opinion. And that's okay. About it. Yeah. They might disagree. Yes. But they understand what they're free to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where some of this theology, especially in the, this minutia in a sense, like the stuff that that's not super important. This is what we do in community. Yeah. Right. We're, we're seeking um, the best way to do this, but, but ultimately though, yeah, it, it really does relate to this message because it has to do with where we direct our attention. Correct. Right. And, and that's where I think each of us have to kind of think about even a song like that. Are we singing that? more out of our deep love abiding love of jesus and what he's done for us on the cross or are we singing that because we really like this country yeah and i think that's a fair question um because we like to worship in truth i would argue is to worship jesus and to worship jesus alone mm -hmm. um and i i do think that that there's potential not necessarily with this subject, but but even just in general for us to, like we were just talking about, to have our heart's affection and attention diverted yeah. um, in a way that really our, our, our corporate worship is designed to invite us back mm -hmm. to a center, right? Mm -hmm. To find our hope fully and totally mm -hmm. in Jesus and in his kingdom. I mean, we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I would argue that part of worshiping Jesus is, is reminding ourselves that we're distinctly part of his kingdom. And it means that we don't fit neatly or nicely into any yeah. empire of the earth where yeah. we have our feet in, in two camps yeah. always. Yeah. And I, I think it's important for us to remember that. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I think this, this fits in very well with the, the biblical theme of God's jealousy. 
in a sense. Yeah. Right? God yes. is, and, you know, and, and you mentioned this, that he wants us to, to worship him because it's the best thing for us, right? That, that this is, or at least we talked about that. I'm not sure if that was in the sermon or not. But uh, here's where this is, um, God is jealous for our worship ultimately because he knows this is the, the right thing for us to, the right way for us to live. When we worship the wrong things, it gets in the way. And all through the, throughout the Bible, there are people who are dabbling in worshiping God, uh, Yahweh, but then uh, they're worshiping other things as well. Correct. And and that's, God's like, I mean, he's almost like, you know, choose a side, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. in fact, it, it, that's that's what Joshua says, right? Choose this day yeah. who you're going to worship, right? And it's not, it's, he doesn't want you in the middle somewhere. Yes. It's almost like he's saying, just go ahead and worship them mm-hmm. or worship me, but none of this in-between stuff. Right. And uh, And clearly, the better option is to worship God and God alone. Yeah. And that's that's what this uh, the story of the woman in the well, right? And we, yeah. we haven't really introduced that in the, in the podcast much. And here we are with 40 minutes. Maybe, in. Yeah, maybe 10 more minutes to talk so about this. So, yeah. yeah. So Jesus leads us to this uh, this woman to this point where they have this a conversation about worship. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I primed the pump last week and said, you know, it starts off with being about water, then about her love life. And then about worship. Yes. And I, I suggested in the message also that this is really, I think, about worship the whole time. Yeah. I think I like she's that. actually more in line. I think her, her question to Jesus about where to worship is actually way more in line than um, I originally thought it was. Yeah. So I, I really like that observation. And you kind of got you got to throw it out there in the yeah. message. Yeah. But uh but it's one of those that I'd love. I'd love another ten minutes on. Yeah, I I, I would have loved also. Um, do you want me to go ten minutes on it now? I, mean, I don't know. Or, I'm trying to think. What What do you want, people? Well, what I just think want? so. Really, what our thirsts in so many ways drive our worship, right? Okay. So get get that. So because remember, her first question had to do about her literal thirst, right? right. So the she she's worried about water. Yeah. Um, and she's she's thirsty. And she, that's why she has to go to the to the well all the time. That I think the context of that changes everything because we can turn on a tap anytime we want, and totally. there's there's fresh, beautiful water. Yeah. Right. But in for the vast history of the world, and in those days, and in a lot of the world today, dealing with getting water is a good half of your day. Yeah. At times. Yeah. Right? Especially for many women. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that was what she's dealing with. Yeah, and thirst. so Jesus wants to talk to her about thirst. Yeah, and um, and really, he he jumps into this conversation and just like you can see it right now. Yeah. I, you step back from it and go, oh, okay. He's like steering this oh, yes. thing the whole time. Yes. Will you get me a drink of water? And then she's you're asking me for a drink, and he goes, well, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. Yes. So let's talk about real water. Let's talk about water that will bubble up in you and not run dry. Yeah. And um, I think he's he's talking about a heart that's captivated by God and filled with His Spirit. Yeah. Um, and then the he transitions to he he says he just sets her up the whole time, right? Go call your husband. <laughs> and she's I, I don't have a husband. In fact, I've had five, and the guy I'm living with now isn't my husband. Yeah. And which is so not new information for Jesus. No. Right? no so he gets no, he knew this. Totally. He's like, yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah. So okay. he's totally setting her up. I yeah. like that's yeah. a great observation. And um. And but once again, he's talking about thirsts and he's talking about a thirst that hasn't been satisfied. Yeah. Right. So 
her she water thirst, she has to keep coming back. Yeah. She has to keep coming back and doing her love thirst. Mm-hmm. She can't make that. She cannot quench that thirst either. And then she brings up a thirst, I think, that she has and something that's been sort of that like proverbial pebble in her shoe going, okay, what do we do with this? Where should we worship? And so, like I said, I think it, I think all of it, water, mm-hmm. love, and temples are all about worship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, especially if we see, if we go back and see that worship is kind of um, where we, where we draw our, our attention, where our focus is, where those thirsts are, the things that yes. we're desiring, all that stuff. Um, and, and there's others than that. I mean, th- those are at least I mean, for her, I think those are the big ones in a lot of ways for a lot of people. There's our physical needs. Um, there's our desire for love and affection and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing one of the biggest ones, but yep. you mentioned some others in the, in the message as yeah. well yeah. that, uh, you know, money and all that stuff that, yep. uh, that goes with it, power. Um, we can kind of worship all of those things, but right. ultimately, and I love that as if he's, he's teeing her up to ask the right question. You know, she, yeah. she does though. So either she she's following yeah, along, she does, or she, you know, or it, I don't know if at some point she realizes, Oh, that thirst he's talking about, he can really fulfill this. Yeah. You know, cause here he promised her that she won't go thirsty and she's still taking that literally. Right. Yes. She's still kind of she like, is. yep. You know, I really want, want don't have to want to deal with coming to the well all the time. Right. Yeah, please. And then she's, I think she might be realizing that, yeah, she's not fulfilled in this other thirst. Right. And then she goes to the ultimate. Yeah. And so that's when tease him up. So yep. now, um, so we talked about worship in spirit, spirit which truth. I said um, is genuine encounter with the living God rather than just rote, rote ritual or rote religion. Yeah. And and I would just point back to John three, the um, born again through the spirit. The spirit mm-hmm. lives inside of the believer, and therefore, like worship is a response to the living God who lives in us, mm-hmm. rather than just going through the motions of mm-hmm. of religion. Um, and then uh, I, worship in truth, I would say, is is ultimately worship of Jesus and Jesus alone um, as we bow it at his throne. So that would be um, that's sort of the, the general that's who that's the type of worshiper that the father is seeking after. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And then I, I yeah, this is this sort of this idea was one that was um, really interesting to me. Um, because, uh, it, and it struck me this, uh, this week, I said, what happens when we worship our, the creator God? I said, well, we become more like him. And mm-hmm. so what happened when we worship idols, we become like those idols. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's Psalm, uh, 115 it's Jonah chapter two, verse eight. It's, you know, that's a, that's an yeah. idea within the scriptures. So mm-hmm. I'm saying the opposite of it's true also. Mm-hmm. That if you worship, if you worship an idol mm-hmm. and become like an idol, when you worship God, you should become more like God. Yes. Um, and I said, and if God created us in his image, we also become more like ourselves. Yes. More like the what you're supposed to be. Correct. Like our who God designed us to be Ooh. is actually 
more and more released and comes more and more out of our life. We, we, you know, to use maybe some psychology, uh, psychological terms, like that false self starts to fade yeah. away. Yeah. The true self comes more front and center as we worship. Yeah. If we, if we become like what we worship and we worship God and we were created in his image, we, mm. we become more and more who we were created to be as we worship the creator God. Mm -hmm. So I never put all that together before. Yeah. Um, and so I, I personally had some fun just thinking through that this week yeah. going, all right, Lord, man, worship actually puts you in your rightful place. But it also helps me better identify yeah. who you've yeah. made me to be. That's really cool. And I, I'm guessing that came up a little bit later in the study. Way later. And, and I know this because I'm guessing this because you had a, you had one of the points that you had you put up on the screen was not in the notes. Right. And I wrote it down. I love this. It said, um, and I'm looking at my phone here to because that's where I wrote it. But uh, what we worship determines the course of your life. Yeah. And so. Uh, that that's this that's this idea you're getting at that mm -hmm. the things that we worship we become more like those things yes right that's the direction we go and and I started thinking about that that if if we worship if we worship the right things we start living the right way yeah right we start living the way of those things right mm -hmm. and this is this is what living in the way of Jesus is supposed to be like right we worship Jesus and we start living in Jesus's way more. And, uh, and that's, that's us living out Jesus's way, right? Totally. This is why, yep. this is why the, the little nuances that I really like about the difference between living like Jesus and living in the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it's, uh, living like Jesus. Sometimes some people have, I've heard people even say this and practice this. They've like grown a beard. Oh yeah. And, like done the things yes. that Jesus did. Yeah. It was like his name that did that. AJ, anyway. Yes. A uh, year of. You're Jesus biblically. Biblically, yeah. Um, where they actually, you have to do the actual things that Jesus did. But we, we don't, we have to stop and realize that Jesus, if he were living now, would not be doing those exact things. Right. Right. He probably wouldn't have gone out and yelled at fishermen. A, because you can't yell, fishermen are so far away these days. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a yeah. different thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's living in his way with his heart is what yes dallas willard used to say um the question isn't what would jesus do the, that's not the right question necessarily i mean there's a lot of bracelets that have sold really well but he <laughs> he goes it's not a bad question it's no, no. probably not the best question the best the better a better question would be what would jesus do if he were me yes yeah so in my with my experiences with my yes. in my circumstances what would jesus do if he were me yes he said that's a, a better question yes I once I remember I once did a talk on that WWJD and I changed it and added all the what would Jesus do if he were me in this time and all this like all these letters right it's a necklace WJD. instead of a bracelet totally was. <laughs> I was like it doesn't sell as well you know um, that, WWJD that's awesome it works as long as you think of it that way that's, I that's love that that's yeah, funny that's really cool that's funny yeah so well that I I love it I love it I think that was like that's a great way to think about worship and a great thing to think about the church this is this is us yeah this is what we're about yep and uh, when we come together each of us individually worshiping more and more as we are created to be we actually start filling in 
the church yes. uh, a lot more into what, you know, into where we're going to be going over the next few weeks, right? Right. Into, because th this is, this is us. This is us. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So, give me a minute. I do. I I'm do. Gonna, I'm going to just introduce our next segment, which okay. I'm very prepared for. Ladies and gentlemen, today, Ryan brought a book. I did. <laughs> and it's a book that was, um, that I've been thinking a lot about over this last, these last few days as I'm getting ready to preach this weekend. Okay. So, oh, so this is going to inform. This will inform a so little this bit. This is like a teaser also. It's a teaser. Okay. I like it. Um, okay. So here's the book. The book is called A Gentle Answer by Scott Sauls. Okay. Scott Sauls is a pastor, I believe in Nashville, somewhere in Tennessee. Um, and he used to work really closely with Tim Keller at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And Scott is brilliant. He's winsome. And he wrote this book that I think um, was a, uh, in a sense, a, a prophetic piece for us. So um, he wrote it before any of the um, just political, I don't know, unrest we've always had political unrest but as that was elevated yeah. in the last few years yep. he, it was it was published before that and written before that and i think it definitely just has a good word for our current moment so um i'm talking about what it means to be family on okay. sunday so we are family that's what we're going to be talking about we are a family and um i think there's some really helpful things in this book hmm. um because one of the things I'm going to say is that in a world that is, um, one, one columnist said that our world is more divided politically now, our, our nation, more divided politically now than it has been since the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And one of my great laments is I see that uh, bleeding over into the church, yeah. right? Like in the last year, we, we've seen people, not just at our church, but all, at, at a number of different churches all around, right? Mm -hmm. That people have started to choose a church based on their political platform rather than their theological convictions. Mm -hmm. Like I have, I have friends that um, are really, you know, really conservative, which is great and mm -hmm. fine, mm -hmm. right? But they left the church that they were at to go to a church that took a very strong political stance. And I'm going... Like, you don't agree with their theology. Mm. Like, like I know, I know you. And anyway, so uh, mm. I'm I'm not going to give any more details than that. But like, yeah. so they're going well. It's an it's. I would rather agree with the church's political stand mm. than with their theological stance. And I'm going, oh wow, we're in a different type of a an arena here than yeah. what the church has been in in the past. I, I mean, I guess you could say that some people have gone to churches that are more, you know, social gospel because of their political stance, that that's, oh, that's always been a thing or has been for the last few decades, but mm. it just feels fresh and new. And different. It does. It does. And it, and it feels, it, it feels more dangerous than what people often choose churches for. Cause let's face it. A lot of people choose churches. I'm going to say for the wrong reason. 
or for reasons that are less than the, the greatest reason, right? So a lot of people aren't choosing a church because they're looking at all the doctrinal statements and they're saying which one is, you know, the most, you know, accurate, which one loves Jesus most, all that. Sometimes they choose a church based on like things like worship style, mm -hmm. which, you know, is not a, not a terrible reason. It's not the worst of the reasons, but it's not really the greatest. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's some people that uh, that have have chosen um, churches for all sorts of things. There's some churches that have broken, you know, have broken away from other churches for the most petty of things. Mm -hmm. But this one, especially in line with our discussion about worship, it just seems like it's affiliation with something that isn't even doesn't even touch on right. the Bible, right? Doesn't even touch on who Jesus is. Doesn't even touch with worship because at least like a worship style. It is something to do with one yeah. of the with our main what focus, is it right? Yeah. It's a distinct, absolutely, yeah. And so that that I I understand at least this one is a very hard one. In fact, yeah. in fact, one of the things that I think we need is actually is actually the difference. Oh, I so that's where I'm going um, on Sunday, at least in part. And can I read as we, please, we have a, a few more minutes, um, just one section. So um, it, this is in a chapter called We Grow Thicker Skin. Yeah. And all right. So just a quick spoiler, spoiler alert. I'm going to talk on Sunday about how we, and I'll include me in this, like we have a tendency to get offended easy. Mm -hmm. And um, they did a study a while back that said um, that 81% of people feel like people get offended too easy. 80% of people 81, feel like 81% think people get offended too easily. And, and, and so they all think other people get offended too easily. So like, okay, so here's what I wrote, Josh. Yeah, you're like, you're picking up where I'm going with this. Um, uh, okay, so I, I cited this research yeah. poll that they did and I said, I tend to agree, but isn't it interesting that these same 81% must be some of the people who are getting offended. Yes. I think it illustrates the reality that when we get offended, we think we're justified. Yeah. When someone else gets offended, we think they should get over it. Yeah. Oh. So let's just start with us. What if we moved from being offended mm. to being curious? Ooh. Ooh. And I hope that makes you curious to come to the message this week. <laughs> All right. So this is page 92 and Saul's writes this. He says, it is because we have been treated with such kindness, such grace, such gentleness that we ought to be the most difficult people in the world to offend. Mm. Christ chose us to turn God's justifiable wrath from us by absorbing that wrath himself through substitution, sacrifice, and forgiveness. His radical forgiveness was bought with persecution, blood, and martyrdom. It is Christ's unmerited love for us that serves as the basis, not only for becoming the best kind of friends, mm. but also the best kinds of enemies the world will ever know. The best kind of enemy. Wow. Oh, that's a cool way to put it. Isn't that like, awesome? What if? Man, what if you were known as the best kind the of the best enemy? kind of enemy? Anyway, that's interesting. And that part of me says I'd rather not be known as anyone's enemy. <laughs> and yet, if I'm going to be 
Let's be the best kind. Let's be the best kind. Of That's really, really cool. Anyway, so. Oh, man. Well, Greg, Greg, back at us. First comment and last comment, Greg. All right. Way to go, like man. Like the Yeah, he brings up Justin Gibney. And if I could, just this is, this guy, you want to look up somebody worth, worth looking into, especially as you think of politics and all this stuff. Justin Gibney is a great one. He has some great thoughts on that. You're right. Um, as, as Greg has says that uh, he has some great, good thoughts on politics, theology idea. He does. Um, there's a group called the Anne campaign that he, uh, he started oh, yeah. up and yeah. it's actually something that, uh, I, that I'm a part of here, um, getting yeah. things going and, uh, some really, really neat stuff. In fact, we're doing, I'll have to, we'll have to talk about this in a future yeah. episode, but we're doing a, uh, a panel discussion on race in the church. Okay. Um, wow. at North coast, right. North on. coast Calvary. Um, it's going to be really cool. coming up? In fact, that's coming up October 21st. Okay. It's going to be really good. In fact, um, I don't know if I should throw them, but, but well, looks like somebody from our own congregation will be uh, one of the panelists. I'll be involved in the kind of other side of it, but. All right. Can't wait. Pretty cool. Can't right. wait. Well, we'll. Good stuff. I'll wait until we have final confirmation. But anyway, everybody, thank you. Ryan. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah. for diving in a little bit. I oh, know man. we, we kind of went into some some areas of the message that uh, that you didn't get to talk about. So yeah. that just means if, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I got pieces of it, then go right. back and listen to the go. whole message. Yeah, because it, it was it was a, a solid message that is 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 helpful for any church, but it's been super clarifying for us. And to bring it back full circle, feel free to listen to it on one and a half times or <laughs> two even if you need to. Well, well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And, well, and you're probably listening to this at the same speed, so it'll sound just the same. It'll sound normal. Right, it'll sound yep. fine. All right, everybody. Well, so fun doing this with you. And thank you so much for joining us. May God bless you and keep you. Yeah. Thank you guys. God bless.